everyone, I'm Adam Hergenrother. This is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. I am joined by my chief of staff, Hallie Warner. Hallie, good morning. Good morning. I know, it's the morning. I went back to it. It was just nice. It's a beautiful morning. There's light snow out there. You know, we're now in March, but super excited to jump in today on one of our favorite topics, the founder enforced multiplier, specifically are you really working with the right strategic partner and really what is a strategic partner? So we're going to cover this mm-hmm. and we get a lot of this. We get this question from people who read the book, listen to the audible, um, just have attended our courses and are just trying to kind of piece these things together. So we thought we'd jump on here and tackle some of the large questions that we have. And so Hallie, let's start off with that. First of all, mm-hmm. well, I want you to answer two questions for me, right? You know, this is more of a kind of a, a generic question. We can, I guess we can kind of answer throughout this podcast, but are you working with the right strategic partner? I think that question will be answered through the information that we're about to dive into. So let's start with the question of is what is a strategic partner? So you actually can find that and then determine whether or not you are actually working with the right strategic partner from the founder in the EA or chief of staff or the force multiplier or from the force multiplier to the founder or manager that they're leading up to. Yeah, I'm going to even back it up j- even just a little bit. Of course you um, are. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like because yesterday you sent the, I sent an email and I'm like, hey, this looks great. I'm sure Hallie has a thousand questions on this. <laughs> I only had one comment. I know. I was actually impressed. Um, yes. Yes. I always will have a comment, but sometimes more than sometimes more than others. I bring that up. Um, yeah. I bring that up because that's one of the things that a force multiplier does. Yes. Well, so what I want to back up to is what is a force multiplier? Because that is such a common term for us. And in fact, I think it's becoming more mainstream in the um, leadership and entrepreneurship and executive assistant chief of staff space. However, not everyone knows what that is. So how we define it is in very basic terms, it's essentially the right hand to a leader. And it does come in different forms and different titles. For us, we often refer to it either as an executive assistant or chief of staff, but essentially it is that right-hand partner to a leader. And it's just easier to call them a force multiplier. Um, also, I just really like that term. Um, but well, sounds I awesome. actually think it, yeah, it does. And what I think is so interesting is that I had somebody reach out to me yesterday or the day before and was like, I am looking for a force multiplier. And I'm like, that's awesome. And yeah. he's in real estate. And I said, okay, well, you know, there's a lot of great real estate um, admin hiring companies. Do you want me to hook you up with one? And he was like, um, I, you know, real estate admin are great. That's not actually what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a force multiplier. And I'm like, fantastic. Um, not that there's anything wrong with real estate admin, admin, right? In operations, that's where I started. But there is a difference between somebody who's running operations and somebody who is um, like the right hand to a leader or, or an um, entrepreneur. Well, and it's not, there's no right or wrong, right? It's not like- Right, it's just need, the different needs it, of the exactly. business. Exactly. It, it's exactly yeah. right. I mean, there's there's principals, there's teachers. It doesn't mean the principal is better than the teacher. I mean, there's two different roles, right? I mean, that's what- Exactly. All the, 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 the kind of- ex- external, you know, cape that we put on in these roles, there's no right or wrong. It's, it's our mind telling us at times, you know, this is right, or this is where I need to go. And, and I know that, um, part of your own journey for a little while, as we were kind of defining this, you know, five or six years ago, you were like, do, do I need to be a COO? Do I need to be a CEO? Do I need to, and all those offers kind of went through there, but it was, it was kind of mm-hmm. really bringing that down to, you know, how do you align your inner being with what you're doing in the doing world? Right. And I think that's, part, it doesn't matter 
matter what that role is. You can't go into and say, I need to do this. Right. Right. And it's just more of like, what are you going to be the most successful at? And also where are you going to be able to bring your best self to support whatever you're doing, whether that's in, you know, in a museum park or whether that is in a, you know, in a business or in a school or university, it's really just about showing up with being authentically you. Yeah. But I think that isn't that hard for people though, because people that are, (laughs) isn't it though? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. But even, even people that are, that are, I think much more in part of this, why we even, wrote the book and, and also have this conversation a lot is about the founder and force multiplier being a really leadership position, whether that's an EA or, or you know, or, or a chief of staff or um, whatever force multiplier in that relationship, there are, they are leaders in their own right. And I think that's important for people to recognize mm-hmm. that you don't have to claim a leadership title to be a leader. And, and I think that's part of defining mm-hmm. the roles. Yeah. So we hear a lot in this space about a strategic partnership. Everybody wants to have a strategic partnership. Leaders want that with their the people that they're working closely with. Um, executive assistants and chiefs of staff really want to have that with their leaders. Um, so let's talk about what it is because it's just this kind of you know business buzzword that's out there. But let's talk about what it actually means. Um, for us, it means that it's two people working together towards a common goal in a business relationship and that these individuals are business partners and that you do need each other to accomplish whatever goal that you're going after. Actually, you and I talk about it a lot that we're really doing one big job. We're just doing two different parts of it. Um, and I couldn't do my job without you. And I hope that you couldn't do your job without me. Um, we're each committed to dedicating our time and resources to the partnership, but we're also, we're both working in our strengths. That's part of that partnership. Um, we're both accountable for our contribution and our deliverables. That's part of a strategic partnership, having exceptionally clear and consistent communication along with mutual respect and trust. Love it. That's really what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the strategic partnership that I love how you, you define it too, Hallie, in terms of just, it's really the, this one job, just two different people working on the same job of accomplishing it better and faster. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, when we're talking about, so as we go through this, I always like to um, ask the leaders or the, or the um, force multipliers who are listening to think about yourself. Are you showing up as talent? Are you showing up as a force multiplier? Or are you showing up as a leader every day? And then also to think about who you're working with. Um, are they really the right partner for you? They might not be depending on where you're at in the business. It might, they might not be depending on where you're at in your career or your career development. And that's totally fine. Um, Or they might be the person that you want to commit to and work with for the next 25, 30 years. Um, Whatever the answer is, it's just good. I think it's just always great to reflect and make sure that you're bringing your best self to work, but also making sure that you are evaluating who you are partnering and aligning yourself with. Um, because this important, this partnership is so important to the success of the business. Hallie, you know, our team had a wonderful question while we're doing this. So thank you for posting that in there is, can you have a, an EA CEO relationship and not being a strategic partnership? How would you answer that? Yeah, I would say, I think that is super common actually. Um, I think it's more of, uh, maybe the old school or more traditional, um, executive assistant role where they are right. You know, whether it's 
up to them or not, that it's more of a, I'm serving, I'm supporting you. I'm serving you. I'm, um, I think it's more of a power play type thing. Yeah. I'm I'm not as, I'm not as involved in, in every part of the business. I've got my, it's like more siloed. I guess that's probably the best way to say it. It's not necessarily a partnership. It's more of a, um, gosh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Um, it's just, just more of a transactional output. relationship. Yeah, yeah. transactional yeah, relationship. It's, just, it's more transactional, and which is totally fine. And to to some for some people, right? That would not work for me. That wouldn't, and I I'm, a, I'm thinking that wouldn't work necessarily work for you. It where it's just a little bit more transactional. I'm not. It wouldn't be as involved in the business. Um, but isn't that yes? Isn't that it, the reason? Super common. Yeah, isn't that the reason why though there's such this this call and pull for this conversation right now is because it is so transactional that the people that are being treated more transactionally are shaking their head and raising their hand and saying, "Hey, I do a ton, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I am. I need. I want to be recognized as this leader. Uh, as the, and I want to make sure that my you know my founder or boss or whoever, however you want to label them, is strategic is creating a strategic partnership between the two of us. And so how do I help, you know, mm-hmm. how do I start by help helping change their viewpoint, right? Into seeing this as a partnership. That's what we get whenever we, you and I do calls a lot uh, or interviews, mm-hmm. they, they go, they go to one of the questions I get because Hallie answers it from, from her level and from my level. But one of the things that I get from me is how do I get my founder to be more open to the strategic partnership? Yeah. And you know, what's funny is that I also like you, I hear it on the flip side too, right? There's a lot of leaders who want mm a, um, an an assistant, an an (laughs) EA who is, who lives and breathes the company the same way as the the founder and the leader does. And, and not all force multiplier. Well, I would maybe because I'm not concerned in force multipliers at that point, but many assistants want a transactional relationship and that's cool. They just need to go find a leader who wants a transactional relationship as well. Um, but if you really want to go down that path of having that strategic partnership, you have to let them into the business. And conversely, that assistant needs to want to be a part of the business, like live, breathe it, um, just really immerse themselves and, and want to be a part of it. Is that, that's not why it works both ways. Yeah. That self-awareness equals success that I said before about that true authenticity about you showing up, there's no right or wrong. I think there's people that want to, that, that really want to show up in a transactional way in their business role, but show up, you know, as a force multiplier, as a mother, for example, I'm just giving you an example of that or show up as a force multiplier in other roles. But when it comes sure. to more of the business side, they want to be more actually in a transactional role. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong, right? It's just me. No. That, and they yeah. might be amazing exactly. at that, right? That's exactly right. They just right. need to align themselves with a leader who yep. wants that sort of partnership too, That's or wants that sort of relationship. Um, that, I mean, gosh, I couldn't even imagine doing my job if it was more of like siloed yeah. and transactional, but I could do that for somebody else, I suppose, who wanted that. But I think that's the Actually, whole. That's not I, true. It's not my no, my it's nature. Not. It's not. <laughs> but that's that's the point of this this for spending a few minutes on this because there's I think people this is you first need to get this understanding in your footing here of that there isn't any right or wrong. It's first being like that's why we do this this kind of little. Um, 
we've done this with our CEOs and, and our employees before where we've had people kind of do their outer values, right? And kind of these inner values. And sometimes our outer goals, if you say, hey, you know, what are the eight words on your tombstone? And people kind of write them out and share them. And then I always kind of go like, well, then what are you chasing right now? And they'll say these external value things. I want this job. I want this house. And I said, well, none of those are actually on your tombstone. So why are you chasing them? So a lot of those things are in conflict with who we naturally are. And actually what mm-hmm. we really want is joy, peace, you know, love, being able to contribute from my authentic self. And then yet we're in conflict with these, the societal goals or these, these pressures that society puts on us to go chase after. And so we find ourselves in kind of this conflict, which is why people end up suffering so much is because they're going, Hey, I really want this at the core, but yeah, I'm going to put mm-hmm. the, I'm almost going to be blinded. I'm going to almost sell out. You don't say it like that, but I'm going to sell out of my inner value so I can, cause these, this pull or these offers from life or of these external things are so strong to try to get this job or get this thing that I'm, that I, that I, I do without, um, bringing my, my inner values to what I'm doing. And that's why I, I, whenever I have the opportunity to include this in an email to our our organization, I always say I I care much more. And this, I use this line a lot, especially when things are showing up, they get tough um, or showing up when they're really having a lot of success. And I said, remember that I care much more about how we walk through life than what we actually accomplish. Another way of saying that is I care much more about what we, how we do what we do than actually what we do. Now, what you do and what you accomplish is super important too, and you can high five that at all. But that's just, if you're looking at it just in terms of that way of where I get to and what position I hold, those are just means to an end. Like then it's going to be on to the next means to the end, right? It's just like, Mm -hmm. I can't wait to get that job or this. And then there's another means to another end. So instead of looking at life or your positions as this means to an end, why don't we look at it in terms of why don't you just be the means, right? I mean, just literally be wherever you are, be the means. That's the, that's the means is the direct experience of life. And that comes from that self-awareness success that you're, that you're referring to right now. So, so thank you for sharing that. (laughs) <laughs> well, um, thank you for sharing your spirituality stuff there. Um, cause I, I mean, it's important and I agree that on the, that you have to be incredibly self aware and not just be chasing, um, chasing a title or chasing a role. In fact, I hear this actually yes. when you were saying that it made me think exactly of about the executive assistant and chief of staff role It's becoming more and more common for, um, executive assistants to feel like the next growth opportunity for them as chief of staff or that, or oftentimes that that is the role that they're supposed to be going after. However, when you really dive into it, they're, they're, first of all, they're two completely different roles. And then the other, and the other piece is, um, oftentimes EAs are just looking for that chief of staff role because that seems like it's the next thing they're supposed to be going after. However, not, it's not always the right fit. That's why you have to be incredibly self-aware and really true to yourself about what you're good at, what you're not, what you want. Um, because without amazing executive assistance on, in the C-suite, a lot of things wouldn't get done. It's a highly valuable role. Um, so if that's more in line with the individual's nature, then they got to own it and become the very best EA force multiplier that they can be. Um, and not just be chasing whatever that next role they think they're supposed to be going after. Love that. I heard this morning on uh, Oprah's uh, podcast when she was talking about, um, 
you know, aligning your natural self with the doing world. And she talked about how she knew she was supposed to be, you know, a teacher and her, she has the biggest audience which is on television, what she went into. And then she actually brought up, and I texted you this when I heard it, she said, you know, and she started using her, her new chief of staff, Amy, as an example of, she said, Amy, you know, when she was in like, I don't know, like sixth, seventh, eighth grade or whatever, years old, one of those two. And she was like organizing people's lives, like on her, like her parents and color organized charts and having them in file drawers. And so it's like, she was like, and now she's like, now she's made it all the way to my desk here in Hollywood of organizing my entire life and our business life. And it just kind of made me laugh when I heard that because it, that's, the, it's like aligning that, like she knew from early on, she was trying to like organize her parents' life and all these different things and how they, how that kind of goes in there. And that's that self-awareness is going to, um, it's not going to eliminate challenges. It's going to eliminate the suffering that arise from what you're doing. And that's when the suffering mm-hmm. comes in is when you're trying to chase some external goal, but it's not measuring up to who you are. And then, and that's going to always create conflict. That's always going to create suffering. So once you, yeah. once we've identified that, um, how do you, how do you determine you know, if you're, if you are a force multiplier, right, what does a force multiplier talent versus kind of a non-talent look like, Hallie? Yeah. Um, so the only other thing I was going to add on that is when you are trying to figure out, um, like figuring out who you are is a really long process. As we know, it's a, I mean, it's an ongoing process. It never really ends, but at least in the business world to start get to start um, using some tools to figure out a little bit more about your behavior and your personality. Um, we can drop them in the show notes, but I do think it's highly viable to make sure that you're going back and taking assessments like Clifton strengths or 16 personalities or the disc profile or the Enneagram and just really diving in and learning as much as you can about yourself through these tools and not necessarily to just ingest what the tool says, but to use it as a framework to, to learn more about yourself. Like, do I actually agree with what this said? Do I not? Is, is this really how I'm showing up? Um, can I show up in a different way that might be, that might serve me and others better. Yeah. So um, really just using, I just wanted to quickly mention some of those tools and then, and then the um, having both partners, right. In the strategic partnership, taking those assessments and having, and using them as tools to have conversations about how to work um, better together. You know, I, I love how you, how you brought that up. And it's, it's the, it reminds me of the, the first time I ever took a disc profile back in 2006. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know how many assessments were actually back there, but I remember, uh, I think, yeah, I think I, I know you've heard this story before, but I was sitting in, in there actually with my, with my wife and uh, we were taking this course together. And the first time I filled out this disc profile and I really, I thought everyone just thought like I did. And all of a sudden people started sharing that they were like, especially like conflicting ones, like like an SC or something on those lines mm-hmm. on the disc, I'd be like a high D necessarily. And, uh, and so I started, I'm like, really people don't think, what do you mean? Wait. And I remember I had this, it's incredible, like aha moment that in that. And I realized that people actually don't think like I do. <laughs> I yeah. know it seems so like, like little, I guess. Um, and I'm not belittling that if people haven't gone there, but I just, in that stage of my life, it was that 15, 16 years ago, I was like, I hadn't really ever thought that people don't think like I do. And I just had this movement happen. I'm like, wow, you, Sarah, and I turned to my wife and I'm like, you, you really, cause she thinks she's like the, the biggest S in the world, like the most caring person, mm-hmm. not to say that I'm not caring, but like she, she thought and looks at the world completely differently. And it really helped our relationship. And that's why business is this conduit for personal growth. Because when you start Absolutely. learning about yourself, these ways, they don't just stay in the office. Like you learn all about yourself and then you stay in there. Like these things leak into every 
every aspect of with your friends, with your kids, with your cousins, your nephews, with your partners, with your parents. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I actually then started, I, I remember I, I flew my dad out to this big Tony Robbins event, like a year later or two years later to, to get him to know who he was. And I just went on this whole path on that. And that's actually one of the, one of the ways that kind of, that it put me onto where we are doing this podcast today. Oh yeah. I, I definitely have all of like, I know my sister's Enneagram yeah. and my brother-in-laws and I make my husband take all of these assessments. I, it's just, a, whether you believe them a hundred percent or not, it just sparks really good conversations. And then that, in the conversation, I think is where you actually get to learn about more about yourself and the people that you're working with. Yeah. I don't even think it, if you, if you believe it, it doesn't make it real. If you don't believe it, it doesn't make it real. I would just say, read it as if you're just reading it and then try it on and say, is this actually how I'm showing up in life? And I, and, mm-hmm. I, and, and you may find that you're showing up differently and that's the role you've been taking. That's a story you've been telling yourself, but really you need to stop showing up that way because you're in conflict with those inner values, which and then you go back and you read some of these assessments, you go, Oh, maybe I, I do need to show up a little bit more this way. And then you allow, it's almost like you allow yourself to be you. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's why it's whether you believe it or don't believe it, just still experience to how am I showing up today? And that's what the question right. is, like you said, will orient you on your ability to say, how am I showing up today? It is in alignment with me. And that's really whatever the answer comes from that. That's what we're after, right? That's, that's the awareness that you can have to bring into the doing world. And that's the gift that you can have from using business as this conduit for personal growth. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to talk about what talent force multiplier talent looks like for those who are maybe uh, looking for a force multiplier or those who have somebody as their right hand and um, are maybe trying to evaluate whether or not they're the right person. Yeah. I mean, I think people ask the question, they say, well, what is, what is, how, how does Hallie show up? Right. Or whoever example that they use and a lot of me, they use Hallie a lot too. And they say, well, what is, what is Hallie's talents? Um, or what does it look like? Right. And so yeah. there's kind of non-talent versus talent. So Hallie, why don't you take us through it? Yeah. So I'll, I'll do the non-talent um, and then you can do talent. So non-talent, um, and this applies to force multipliers or anyone really on your team, but um, non-talent has to be pushed to want answers. They are not able to fulfill the job requirements and they often end up giving you back pieces of their, their job. They don't know what they want and they aren't searching. They require you to push them. They're often reactive and more of an order taker. They have low standards or only do the bare minimum, or maybe they don't even um, understand what your standards are and can't um, um, up to achieve them. Doesn't, they don't take responsibility for their actions or their behaviors. They talk about anything. And when they try to emulate the talk of talent, it's just rhetoric. And they tend to take your energy. And I think we all know those people that you just are, you know, don't necessarily want to get on the phone with or be in a meeting with because they take your energy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's non-talent. Yeah. I, I think the, the couple of big ones for non-talent is that a, that's really is, is unable to fulfill the job requirements. And the big thing is ends up giving you back pieces of your job. If I could summarize yeah. really what talent versus non-talent is in one role, which is where you've set as in the responsibility, you set very clear expectations of what the job is first, make sure you do that. Right. And then once mm-hmm. that's been set, if those pieces start coming back on your plate, that's a problem. And that's where, I, yeah. that's where people really get tripped up is like they, but here's the thing is you got to make sure you are not, um, 
supporting that in a way of like, just because somebody, you may not have been clear with them. You may not have given them direct, enough directions. You may not have, um, you know, given them enough information, enough training, and they start going back to you and you just say, let me take it, right? As like, as leaders, we like to do that so we can feel significant. Like I'll take it and do it. Like watch how cool I am type thing. Right. And you don't say it to yourself that way, but really what you're looking for is a hit of dopamine to feel good about yourself. So you end up doing it instead of actually saying, well, let me pause for a second. And I get, there's some tactical things that it's easier sometimes for you to do it than to put it back on there. But if, if really when, when talent, I was actually just coaching a couple people and they hired, they made this really big hire and they have a lot of employees in their organization. And they're like, well, man, like this is, this is the, they've been here for a week. And like they, I gave them like 3% of this made me laugh. They gave, I gave them like 3% of what was supposed to get done. And they came back at like 150%. And I even asked mm. them to do this. And they brought this whole thing. I go, that's exactly what a force multiplier looks like. And they go, yeah, yeah we get awesome. it now. We get it. And that's similar to what we use that, the one, the 10, right? It's like you give them one, you bring it to a one mm. and the force multiplier takes it all the way out to basically a nine or a 10, depending on what, what the role is. Um, and Hallie does an amazing job in our organization for that is like, she takes a little bit of what the seeds are. Um, and then makes it something very, very, it's kind of like the mustard seed, right? The whole mustard seed, the mustard seed is the smallest seed in yeah. <laughs> laughing. Uh, the mustard yeah. seed is the smallest seed in the world, but yet it actually becomes one of the biggest crops that actually grows from it. And that's what a force multiplier is, is the mustard seed. They're just, oh, okay. they're, they just grow into the largest because of how, what they can grow into and, and they can support like an elephant. I know like an elephant, but that's what it feels like. Cause that's what talent is. right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what a force multiplier okay. does. All right. I'll bring it back. You're to losing. Talent. I was going to say, tell, tell me. Okay. So what is, that's the biggest piece of talent, but what else does talent actually look like? Yeah, so, so leaders can identify yeah. it. Well, I mean, they bring solutions to you before you um, even know you had a problem and they anticipate the needs of others right ahead of time. They share your goals and fulfill your needs as a natural byproduct of fulfilling their own. It's not like you're looking for them to be obedient. They're just shilling. They're, they're sharing your philosophy in your culture and your, in your goals and your vision, just because that's what they share too. It's like, if somebody gets in your, I, what? I was just going to say, I feel like that one is yeah. so, um, a great example of that strategic partnership versus the transactional, right? Like this is when you're like, really you're in it together. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. hundred percent. And, you know, they know exactly what they want or at least actively searching for it. And it's taking action towards those goals. They push you, they piss you off daily. They challenge you. Right. And really what they do is what they're really, they're not really pissing you off. What they're really doing is they're challenging the way you think. So your thinking becomes stronger as a team versus an individual thought. And that's where really when you can be challenged and the force multiplier can be challenged and you can not be attached to your thinking or, or the attached to the need to be right. And you can let that go. By the way, that is the, what is one of the main issues in relationships, whether it's a strategic relationship or a relationship in, in personal life is you have to let go of the need to be right before you can actually solve any problems. And before you can do that, um, it is actually one of the things that you'll see in, in all of this is that Hallie's really good on staying on script for a lot of things, which she keeps me back in there. It's really difficult for me to actually, uh, like read something or do that. It's like, I have to see it in my mind, which is again, which is why we have such a great relationship for that. And I think a lot of, um, founders or visionaries are in that same way. Some of them are, at least I am high standards, high performing, constantly raising the bars, what talent looks like. They're accountable to their own roles, but they know what they need to do and how they need to show up. You know, they, they focus on the talk of language of challenge and achievement, and then they just provide a tremendous amount of energy to the organization, right? They provide energy to you, to the people around them, you know, and they're really an individual who shows up in, in other people show up because of that individual. And that's what really providing that energy can do. If not, yeah. 
Uh, no, I yeah. just, I mean, I just like using that for all staff, but I do think it's something it's, especially if you've been, um, if you're about to hire your first, your first EA or your first assistant. Um, I always think that it's really, um, good to go through this list because sometimes when you're hiring your first assistant, especially if you've never had one before, um, you can go in just looking for, um, relief and to alleviate the pain of having done it, done all of the assistant work for so long that I think it sometimes can end up being fairly transactional. And you're just like, I just need someone to, you know, handle all the minutia. But if you're really looking for a force multiplier, you need to be looking in that talent, the the talent column. So what do you think the the biggest mistake people have when they're going out to hire their first force multiplier? They maybe they have staff, right? And they're actually looking to go out and hire a force multiplier for themselves. Like, yeah, I was gonna say like an E, like an EA or chief of staff. Yeah, like in that, the way we define a chief of staff or an EA. Yeah. Yeah. What are the mistakes people make? Yeah. Um, I think I'm well, not being clear on the standards and expectations for the role. That's a big one. Um, if you don't clearly define them, how can the other person ever uphold them or even, or even know what you're, what you expect. Now I will say a great force multiplier will ask those questions if you haven't given them right, they'll pull it out of you, even if they haven't been hired yet. Um, so those are just, that's one thing to look for when you're, when you're in the interview process. And then I think, um, one of the, once somebody's on board, I think, um, another big mistake is that they don't bring them into, into their world quickly enough. They are, they what does say, that oh, mean? you know, unpack I'll... that for me, like what, yeah. bring them into yeah. your world. Yeah. So like they, they'll be like, okay, I'm still training them. I don't know if I want them in my email yet. All right. I'm still, I don't know if I really want them on my calendar yet. Email and calendar, like the two biggest time sucks for a leader. And also they're the best way for a force multiplier to learn what's important and what is high priority for the, for the leader. So getting those, it it actually serves two purposes if they can get into those things right away. And then the other things I mean by being, letting them into the world, it's like get letting them into the meetings, dissecting how, why a certain decision is made the way it's made, um, sharing your thought process and why this person is taking, you know, a higher priority than this, this meeting. Um, I guess that for me, that's what I, what I mean. It's like letting them into your brain and into your yeah. mind and into your, into your thinking. Um, and that just strengthens, strengthens the partnership, but it also makes the force multiplier so much more effective in getting their work done and I think and, that- and being that partner. Awesome. And I think the reason why a founder does not let somebody in there is because of fear. They, they may be like a fear of, well, if they find out really that I'm, that I'm maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Right. There's this fear of imposter syndrome that's rampant in businesses. Right. I mean, it's just, it's there, it's real. I mean, people have that disimagination of if somebody finds out what I really do or what I don't do or how much I I need to work harder. And they just kind of, you have that fear. And so you don't like want to let somebody into your life or it's like, I don't want to let them in my email in case they see something that bad happens. (laughs) It's like, dude, Mm -hmm. you're in business. Bad happens every day. Right. I mean, it's just, it's not bad. It's just a challenge. And just like, I think that's, that's what I get people like, what if they see the, it's almost like they, what they want to say to me is what if they see the real issues in the business? (laughs) It's literally, I was going to say what they, what what if they see the real me? Yeah. Well, that's exactly the real issues in the business, the real me. And it's like, that's the point. (laughs) That's why we spent the first part of this about being the truly authentic you. And by the way, I'll tell you this, everybody that's gone through this and has let go of that part is it's like putting down a hundred pound back pack. 
It's literally all of a sudden it's freeing to go, wait a minute, I, you, you're telling me in business I don't have to hold this all on my own shoulders and, 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 and carry the weight of this and trying to protect people from this? I go, no, <laughs> that's the, that's the mm-hmm. exact wrong. You actually want things to happen because you want to see how people show up. You know, if you have a leadership team built out and there's some challenges that, and there's no ever any challenges, you don't know how they're going to show up. It's like right. if you're just training the whole time without a race. How do you know if you're going to race? Right. And so all of a sudden when challenges show up, which they do daily and you share them as a leadership team, like, Hey, we got a challenge here. How do people show up? Do they just throw in the towel and say, this is too much and make up some excuse as to why they can't be there and leave? Great. You want that person out of your organization or do they go, Hey, I get it. It's really hard right now. It's challenging. We're going to have to buckle down. I'm right here with you. Right. Yeah. And that's what you want from thing. a force yeah. multiplier. But I, I see that from the founder so much and I'm just putting it in words for them. And that's what they say is like, what if they see the real me? What if they see my, what if they see I'm not perfect? Well, you're not dude or woman. Mm-hmm. Like you're just not. Yeah. Nobody is. You're, that's part of the human being experience as a human that is imperfect. Everybody is. Whether you're the Buddha who left his family when he was 21 because he was, you know, imagine doing that. Like, I always think that's just crazy. Like, we, we have this, like, such like a, you know, we put the Buddha up who he is. I mean, the Buddha just means an awakened one. But he left his family, his kids, when he just left them. Like, imagine a spiritual teacher today doing that, like they wouldn't be somebody that's been revered. Right. I mean, even mm-hmm. Jesus Christ walked into the, you know, places kicking things over cause he was angry. There's that human experience. And then you have the being experience, which is, which is you. And that's why, again, businesses is a wonderful opportunity for personal growth. Yeah. Anything out of that, Hallie? Uh, no, <laughs> I think you, na- you nailed it on that. Um, so where do people, if they, I know that you and I are going to be doing a class on this, yes. um, for our upcoming course, how do people get more information on this? Yeah, they can just go to adamhergenrother.com slash events and register for our four week course. We're really going to be diving more and this is designed for the leader and the force multiplier to take together over four weeks. And we'll be diving a lot into that, um, strategic partnership, the mindset of a leader. How do you develop that together? How do you enhance your communication skills? How do you lead together? How do you navigate change together? Um, so we'll be doing all of that it starts April 7th. And um, yeah, we're, ex- we're excited. We've been doing it for, I think, a couple of years now, but every session is a little different because we've grown and changed. There's new challenges in business. New things are happening in the economy and in the world. So um, while there's the fundamentals are, the, are similar in each course, there's always new things that we bring to the sessions. Awesome. Looking forward to seeing you all there. 